the giant Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. G'day guys, Ram Castillo here. Welcome to episode number nine on the Giant Thinkers podcast, or shall I say the GTP. I wonder if that could be a thing. I'll leave that with you guys. Now, I am super pumped. I'm re-energized and revitalized because I actually just came back from a three-week trip around Asia. I went to Hong Kong, Singapore, and Palawan Island in the Philippines. I could have stayed there for a very long time. It's incredibly relaxing there in Palawan Island. Uh, But I actually uh, had to come back to Sydney, Australia because I was invited to speak at Apple, uh, by Apple on how to find a mentor. So uh, I'm still on a massive high from that. Thank you everyone that attended there in Sydney. And for those of you that couldn't attend, I hope to uh, continue bringing out content about mentorship on my other channels. Now, if you've ever wanted to hear from an illustrator, painter, or contemporary artist, the guest I have on this show today fuses all those genres together. But before we dive into that, it's important I mention that this episode is sponsored by our friends at Creative Live. Sponsors, as you all know, help make shows like this possible. If you've not heard of them before, they are the world's leading online classroom for professionals with a comprehensive lineup of design classes that cover everything from typography to UX to learning Adobe programs and even starting your career as a freelancer. So if you head to creativelive.com slash design, have a peek into what they have to offer. And if there's something that resonates with you, pair that up with the extremely generous 25% off discount, which is exclusive to you, the Giant Thinkers listeners. To take advantage of that 25% off, all you need to do is enter the coupon code GIANTTHINKERS3. That's GIANTTHINKERS, the number three, at the checkout for any Creative Live design class. Now, this code is only valid until the 30th of November. Once again, that's creativelive.com slash design. Now, on this episode, we have an Australian fine artist slash street artist who is based in Venice Beach, California. His art is featured internationally in cities including Melbourne, Sydney, London, San Francisco, Paris, Tokyo, Hawaii, Mexico, LA, and even Hong Kong. This guy has some serious skills and talent. He's most commonly recognized for his unique, expressive, and energetic style with references to pop culture, the natural world, and socio-cultural issues. His technical use of color and movement combines clean, bold, illustrative elements with textural and free-flowing design. It is a very laid-back conversation, so definitely get comfy. The topics we talk about include the power of consistently working and creating, combining learned skill sets, embracing your uniqueness, being resourceful, constantly uh, exploring and experimenting with new techniques and ideas, surrounding yourself with a group of like-minded people, and his response to being asked to paint a 6,000-square-foot outdoor mural in Detroit, USA. Now, wonderful listeners, I present to you David Hook, also known as Megs. Welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast, David Hook, also known as Megs. That's M-E-G-G-S. It's an honor to have someone of your talent on the show, my friend. Thank you. Uh, good to be on the show. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be great because um, a lot of people um, uh, that I've had on the show um, haven't been what you do. So we'll get into your expertise in a minute. But uh, by the way, what, why uh, is your sort of handle or nickname Megs? Uh, Megs comes from Ginger Megs, which I guess maybe some people in the Australian audience would remember. Ginger Megs is a little comic book character. Uh, created by Jimmy Banks, I think, in the 1920s. It's like one of the oldest-running Australian-created comic characters, and he's pretty much our version of Dennis the Menace. He's a little red-headed kid with a slingshot that kind of gets in trouble, but it has that, like, 
uh, I guess good side, that heart of gold, larrikin, I guess exemplifies the Australian larrikin. Awesome. Uh, in a way. And so having red hair, like that's somewhat of a nickname, I guess, in Australia for red-headed kids. But I also thought it was kind of a fitting little kind of character trait. Yeah, top. it's definitely, definitely catchy. And um, yeah, uh, you're actually yeah. joining us from LA. Uh, where exactly? Yes. Uh, in Mar Vista, which is... Just a little kind of suburb area, I guess, just outside of Venice Beach. So we're about two miles west of the beach. Fantastic. East of the beach, sorry. Inland, yeah, yeah. Cool, mate. All right, so we're going to dive yeah. into an icebreaker question, which I ask uh, all my guests uh, a, a type of icebreaker question. Uh, yeah. here, here we go. It's um, Your one is this. If you could meet any historical figure, who would you choose and why? Yeah, I took a look at this question, actually, when you <laughs> sent it through and I was racking my brain trying to think because i have to confess i'm not the biggest history but yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i wasn't the strong point in high school <laughs> uh i don't know one of the i guess the character that came to mind would be michelangelo uh purely is from one artist to another cool, obviously having created something as grandeur as the sistine chapel uh given like the you know, logistical nightmare that it was to create i know we had like, assistance <laughs> in that involved but i think it would just be called a rack an artist like that brain to find out how at that time they kind of went about even conceptualizing and planning and then even executing something that's obviously stood the test of time. Yeah, man. I think, um, I think that's a, that's a really good, uh, uh, historical figure you've chosen. I mean, whether you're a, you're an art nerd or not, I mean, it's, uh, it's nice, definitely, nice. it's definitely someone, uh, that, uh, you know, has connected with, with a large audience. Um, Absolutely. so I think gonna... that's something that like, I was just going to say, I think Go it's something it. that like a lot of artists, you kind of like to think in your head is like, how long will my work last and how much, how, what the significance of it is now. And then even in later stages, you know, running into the future. So, yeah, I mean, I I actually have seen the Sistine Chapel uh, three times. Wow. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I've been <laughs> to. Times in the- that's that's it. <laughs> um, uh, I was gonna say if you've seen it yourself, but um, uh, I mean, it's so it's incredible. Good. It is truly incredible. Yeah. All right, so we're going to dive into the second question now. We're going to um, talk about uh, you and how you grew up, uh, where are you from, and and how did your childhood look like? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um- I'm from Croydon North, which anyone from Melbourne would know is like a suburb about an hour east of the city. Uh, it's pretty just generic suburb, I guess. You know, I spent time as a little kid. North of Melbourne in Victoria. It's east. east. Yeah, yeah. Melbourne, Victoria. Yeah. East. Okay. Yep. East. Yeah. East of the suburbs. So it's like kind of far east of the suburbs, I guess. So yeah, I grew up, you know, like a two-child family. I have a younger sister with mom and dad typical suburban house dad's a school teacher mom worked sort of various jobs but mostly in clerk slash uh, secretarial kind of positions so you know we had the dog we had the bird we had a cat we had a turtle <laughs> we're going into animals but turtle. Awesome. Yeah, pretty, yeah it was called mr t <laughs> um so yeah i guess childhood i for me most of my memories are around being kind of obsessive with action figures, actually, and sci-fi movies, which was like Star Wars. Obviously, me being born in 1978, that was pretty much the pinnacle of everything when Star Wars came out. Um, to cartoons, you know, uh, me, me, I was really interested in things like Transformers, He-Man, uh, yeah, like I said, Star Wars. It's why I collect figurines, and that's, I guess, like where a lot of my art inclinations I feel like came from because I used to really just kind of geek out on the visuals and the packaging and trace the images and draw that would be pretty much what I'd draw as a kid would be those kinds of weird scenes like sci-fi planes and fighter jets and stuff like that so so did you um and uh you know this is a question really just about those people that enter high school um and they are the type of people that doodle and draw and love comics and collect those types of things. Um, yeah. And really not interested in maths or, you know, history or, um, you know, uh, science and all that. Um, were you that type of kid? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Like I would draw on pretty much anything. I used to get in trouble a lot at home for drawing on 
the table and then any sheet of paper that was kind of just around, you know, just doodling on it, which mom would be like, that's the phone bill, we need that, all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then going into school, I definitely, I think, spent a lot more time on my school projects doing the illustrations for it. If there was any kind of graphic side, that's like cutting and pasting presentation. Like that was kind of the thing that I guess had the natural inclination towards rather than the writing side. And definitely throughout high school, maths has never been a strong point of mine. I guess like, I, I, I don't know. I earn more, I think, to like the emotional kind of creative side of thinking, obviously the more practical other side of the brain. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just bring it up and highlight that because I think it's important um, to to realize that uh, artistic uh, value and uh, your passions in that thing that you're called towards is just as much of of important literacy than all those other things. Um, and and I think too often, uh, especially dictated by uh, the old school parents and, and, you know, the parents that I had and, and the parents of, of others, um, in, in the, those that are the, the seventies, eighties born kids. Um, yeah. it was always like choosing the safe option, but now of course it's, it's now more wi- widely, uh, ac- accepted, I guess, as a, as a, a career path that you can pursue. So, um, we're going to dive yeah. straight into, into your expertise. Um, where yeah. would you say your expertise lies? Uh, myself, I guess, I feel like, uh, I like to think I'm kind of a conceptual idea person as far as the beginning stages of my work, but definitely I feel like my skills lie in being able to kind of combine a a bunch of different ingredients artistically and and for me make it work aesthetically, um, in terms of, I guess, color and composition and messing around with different media. Um, I've, I kind of wouldn't call myself the best illustrator necessarily or the best painter, but I definitely feel like I have a really good, uh, like I find um, what makes me excited about the work I'm doing is more that intuitive sense mm. of the painting process as it happens, the mark making, and the kind of combination of the illustration and the form and then the painting, which is more the abstract sense. So I think I have like an inclination towards abstraction, but I'm also have the designer side of my brain, which is what I was kind of formally trained in. It helps me start from like a fair idea, like a solid concept. Uh, that when I produce work, it's usually in a, in a series. It's a set, mm. like a theme, so to speak, concept, and then everything ties into that. And I think I have like a good sensibility for doing that, but then trying to embrace more the intuitive side and the abstract side. Of sure. things. So, you, so I guess I'm like a combination between an illustrator and a painter somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, if someone um, mentioned your name, um, that, that has really followed you uh, on your entire journey up to this point, um, you know, what would they define you as? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I f- for one have yeah. followed you on, on this journey. Um, and, right. and, you know, like I've seen how your artwork has, I guess, reached and touched so many people in, in a, in a very unique, very, very unique way. And, and although you've said that, you, you know, you're not a, uh, you may not be the best illustrator or the best painter. I mean, for me, I can't do what you do. You know, and I, and I think a lot of people can't, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, I was at the gallery not too long ago and then it was just some abstract piece. Um, and then I overheard someone say, Oh, I can do that. I can paint that. And in my head, I'm like, well, why don't you bloody do it? Um, (laughs) you know, I'd like to see you try. I mean, I, I think there is, there is so much and I, and it was probably why you've, you kind of danced around um, before you gave that answer, because it was like, yeah. Hmm, how can I define what I do? Because I think it isn't so easy to, and to call yourself it, a painter and an illustrator not. isn't, um, isn't just what you are. That is kind of the end point. Um, yes. as, yeah. as a, as a sort of a way to articulate what you do so that yeah. people can understand that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think first and foremost, it it all really comes down to just kind of being a creative thinker, I think. Mm. Like someone who has 
I don't know, like, obviously it's, it's hard to sort of define how other people's creative process or ideas might work, but I think for me it's always been, it stems from having an imagination as a kid and going back to playing with the, the, the action figures and that kind of thing. When I, like, I would just create imaginary scenarios for all that and there would be different things. I'd do sort of drawings or I even have, like, weird logo designs in my head that were different from the original Star Wars logos for stuff because I'd create a whole new imaginary set of people for whatever, you know, like scenario I was thinking, was playing with. And I think that then as it develops into being a designer or an artist, it's about looking at, it's about absorbing all the different media and surroundings and all those things that inspire you or kind of uh, connect to you and kind of create almost like my work is very much almost literally what kind of goes on in my head, which is almost like a visual collage of, of ideas and I think there's people that think in that way yeah. think in a, in a kind of creative like well how do I respond to that and what's how do I interpret that whether it's visual or it's music or it's some kind of expressive thing rather than just like okay I see it next you know, it's it's a constant sort of thinking I think and a constant yeah. like just any, any little thing can trigger, trigger which is the best thing yeah I think um you know even the way that you uh you apply paint, it is in layers, but, but it, the thought of that is also in layers, you know? Um, Thanks. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually wanted to, wanted to so expand if you can on that bit where you mentioned um, the other person sort of saying, Oh, I could paint that. Yeah. And it's funny because that's always actually something that I've had as an artist. When I look at other work, what I, what I aspire to and what I look up to when I look at other artists' work is stuff that I can't do, you know, or I don't know how it's done or it sort of blows my mind with their technique or it's something I'd never thought of, that kind of thing. It's like that's the artist that I look at and I'm really inspired by, I guess, myself. And it's, it's absolutely true that I think a lot of people can make a lot of work that they see, maybe they, but like you said, they're not actually doing it and that's something I think it's good to remind oneself as an artist and I need to hear it myself, tell myself it more, is that what you do is unique regardless, you know, yeah. that it's, it's about the, the process of creation and that's what's kind of important. Yeah. And, and I think I'm a huge advocate for this thought and, and, I, and I tell a lot of people this during my talks often, which is that rather than scratching your brain and scrambling to find something unique um, in your brand or to release a product or service. Um, it's also important to remember that you are unique. Y you know, no one has ever yeah. walked the same path that you have. No one has seen everything the way in, in the order and the exposure that you've had to the point. And to, to embrace your own identity and to know that um, even though it's all been done before, it hasn't been done by you is hugely yes. empowering. You That's know? very true, man. That's very true. That's wise advice, I think. Yeah. I actually uh, just started reading a book. It's, it's a called You Are a Badass or something. Uh -huh. And it's kind of about that yeah, positive affirmation for kind of want of a better expression. Definitely. It's a mm. slightly deeper book than that, but it's that is one of the key things. It's like, yeah. You, and I think feel like as a that you are unique and as a creative, it's hard because I feel like with great creation results also has to come a certain degree of self critique mm. or the understanding of critique of your work, you know, which yeah. that will lead you to get better. So it's kind of like it's an interesting balance almost. Yeah. And for those listeners, um, I'll I'll plug this as well again later on, but uh I just want to redirect you guys or just plug uh your instagram uh here david um so Thanks. you can head to house of megs that's h-o-u-s-e of m-e-double-g-s house of megs um and while you're listening to this you know check out his work and you'll get a better sense of of uh you know the the connection between the thought that uh that uh, megs is talking about here um so mate i'd like to ask you about uh, how you got started in painting, in illustration, um, you know, what was it that kind of broke the bone for allowing that whole 
sort of direction to, to take place? Yeah. Um, I guess my background is being formally trained in graphic design. I studied graphic design at university, so I have a bachelor in design. And in during design, I was always attracted to the more handmade styles of design work, I think. David Carson, for example, was a reference for me back, way back when I was studying. Um, that, that really kind of layered very much hands-on, very artistic, I guess, uh, approach to design. So coming outside of design school and working as a designer, I was always interested in, in making art, especially the like graffiti and street art side things. I think coming from the suburbs and being a skateboarder as well, I dabbled in graffiti art at times. That side of art was like just something that I feel like spoke to me. I guess it was the freedom of it or the color and expression, whatever. But that, so that when I started, I guess like, so to go back after, yeah, after working as a designer for a while, I started to feel a little stifled, I guess, maybe by the constraints of industry, essentially. And then I was hanging out with some friends of mine, uh, the idea to go put up stencils on the street. One buddy of mine, actually, Meek, he put up at the time, he'd come back from the UK. And I was kind of in the very early stages of banks and a lot of street kind of bubbling over there. So we started to go out and just put some stuff out on the streets and uh, joined a website called Stencil Revolution at the time, which had a forum where people upload images and talk about stuff. And I kind of found this like little sub world. I guess I subconsciously been kind of craving or like looking for in a weird way. And that then kind of opened uh, me up to like a really good scene, a really active scene in Melbourne of people putting up street art. And it was connected to graffiti art scene. It's kind of like included a bit of everything and characters from all, all parts of it. And yeah, I just started going out and putting up initially stencils, stencils and stickers yep. and posters, very basic kind of kind of graphics at the time, usually off the cuff ideas that I just sort of have during the day and then sketch down and then make it weird kind of image. One of the first ones was actually of Ginger Eggs, a little <laughs> comic character that I have my name, you know, like a little A4 kind of That's letter cool. size for the Americans. Well, well I mean, so, you know, everyone's very familiar with Banksy and, and of course, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's still doing that. He's still doing the stencils and he's kind of, but he, it's the thought behind that, isn't it? And, and exactly, the context yes. in which that message um, lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's owned that particular style, but definitely, I mean, his was, it's, it's about the width. Yeah. Yeah. Idea, for sure. For sure. So um, is there a, is there a certain person or a thing that happened or, I don't know, like, what is it that keeps you creative and inspires you to be creative? Uh, now or are we talking back then? When um, uh, both, just... both, yeah. <laughs> I guess the, the, the thing that kind of happened back then uh, was me becoming part of a communal studio called Everfresh, which people in Melbourne, hopefully people overseas have heard of. It was basically a collective of eight guys putting up street art in Melbourne. Uh, and we had a shared warehouse space. And I, for me, that was the catalyst of like pretty much where I am today in the fact that I was around a bunch of other guys making Rad Street artwork. We all kind of like pushed each other, worked with each other, rivaled each other. But it was kind of a creative and energetic space. And that inspired me to keep making more work and helped me get involved in different aspects of street art and then group shows and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it just organically grew from there. Um, now I guess like inspiration to keep going. Uh, it's, I, so was the question inspiration or yeah, yeah? Like where do you get your cr- inspiration um, for creativity now? Would you say? I'd say the current work I'm doing. I'm definitely as I get older, inspired more by kind of. I've always been inspired by social issues. I think. Mm. Uh, environmental issues but now my work is definitely focusing a little more on that and the combination of the two cool. i guess kind of with age i've sort of looked at okay where's my place in life in the world you know and what's what, is, what do i do as an artist to contribute to maybe a greater good in maybe more of a specific sense as much as it is a broader sense of just making art which i think is kind of a that's awesome cause so yeah it's definitely more of an environmental uh focus just questioning i think like 
what we're doing to our world and where society is headed and what our values are and if we're moving further away from what we should really be valuing yeah. and commodifying and like protecting, which I, I actually realized yesterday, strangely enough, comes in turn with probably all the apocalyptic sci-fi stuff that I was obsessed with as a kid and a teenager, uh, which very much is the common thread, I think, for a lot of sci-fi movies and comic books is like, you know, the, the death of humanity in yeah. the future and yeah. all what superheroes are doing to try and save it. Let me ask you real quick, um, the, yeah. what is your end, end goal when you create a work like that? And, and when I say that, of course, uh, it's a work that is a statement coming from you. So yeah. what, what do you expect when you create, let's say, you, you know, you, cre- you create a work that's a political issue, or let's say you have created a work and then it c- caused a response. What, what are you looking for in that response? I guess uh, for me, it's my way of kind of highlighting it or saying, making other people hopefully think about that issue, maybe in a, in a fresh way or connecting with them in a, in a kind of original way. And then I feel like it's kind of one of those things where for me, I feel like these, these are necessary messages, positive messages that are part of a bigger whole. So I feel like the more that those are said, maybe the more people will actually consider them. Mm. Uh, and then that's actually a good question because then the next step on is something that I'm kind of consciously thinking about now and figuring out in, in how my life now progresses. So I sort of take that to the next level. And it partly happens, I guess, when I work with organizations like Pangea Seed um, and we do murals for oceans, which... Yet again, it's kind of creating an artwork around a message that hopefully reaches a broader audience, but I think in, in a fresh way that it can hopefully, I don't know, like for me, maybe it's inspiring a younger audience uh, cool. to, to think about these issues. Yeah. So it's more of an awareness um, sort, of, sort of message, isn't it? Yes. And then my next step is how do I contribute that in a more physical manifestation I guess mm. you know like and I'll always try and contribute artwork to, to charity shows or do something that helps raise funds for, for these kinds of organizations uh, really pushing cool. that way but it's it's that's the tricky that's the tricky one right <laughs> yeah, yeah no well done for for, for pushing that um very cool so uh I'm gonna ask you now um for any tips that you can give to, to the listeners um, that are thinking about taking the plunge in, in, the, in that similar direction that you've had, um, whether they're, they're just about to finish school or even those that are working in a different industry but, but are the type to use their, their spare time creating. Uh, any sure. advice for them when, when taking that leap? Um, yeah, I've... That's kind of a question that's come up on several occasions when I talk to people or at conferences, and it's always a slightly tricky one to answer. <laughs> but I think the key is essentially to just make a lot of work. Um, I find the most inspiration comes out of the act of doing, and it's kind of one of the hardest things to motivate, I think, as an artist, uh, as a self-motivating artist. <laughs> but... I feel like, well, I, hypothetically, I feel like if a young person at university was to uh, ask me like, about becoming an artist, I would probably say, how many pieces of art do you think you make in a month? You probably need to make four times that amount. You know, like, and that's the key. It's, like, it's a kind of constant production and hustle and grind. And it starts off like... Obviously, connecting with like-minded people is super important. Like I said, having the, the group uh, collective like Everfresh for me really helped. I know everyone can't be in those same circumstances, but if there's a way through galleries or through some kind of like online community or some kind of thing, if you have a, a direction of art that you want, I also feel like the key is to think what kind of art do you want to make and what's the message you want and then look for the channels that, are supporting that and championing that and other artists that are producing it and try and connect with that because that you then you'll kind of be true to what you want to yeah mate i really love how you pinpointed Seriously. the action part um <laughs> you know it's it's crazy how many questions i got 
um, of that very same nature when I went and did yeah. my talk. And, and, you know, when I had the Q and A's after these events in America, um, it's funny how almost every single event, I got a question asking me, hold on, you're a designer, but how did you write a book? And how did you become a speaker? Yeah. And, and yeah. it's funny, you know, I said, you know, a lot of people want to be a designer. They want to be an artist. They want to be a writer. And I tell them, so design, so paint, so write every single day. Yes. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's good that you, you you brought that up, mate, because it's, I think so many times uh, we see people, you know, I've just looked at your Instagram now, you've got 37,000 followers on there and, you know, you've had an incredible list of um, exhibits and shows and um, mate, it's, you know, I think it's easy to kind of go, oh, wow, like, you know, that guy's doing really well, but it's often very difficult for someone that hasn't gone through the motion to see that you, you mate, you probably, you know, sweat, blood, tears, everything during your, your time to get there. Right. For sure, man. So many sleepless nights. And I, and I think that's the other key that it's good is when you get an opportunity, kind of always try and push it further, you know? Mm. And I try to do that on, I guess, all of my major opportunities. I mean, there's always a point where you're like, I could have done more, you know, I should have done this, whatever. But it's, I think that's what's heavily important is like really push yourself, push those ideas Mm. and go through those sleepless nights and really, you know, it's, I've, I'll kind of surprise myself, I think, sometimes when you're like, oh, shit, this is how much I can. Two months, you'll get this much done. But when you have to, over a course of a month, yeah. you probably get 10 times as much work done in, that, in those four weeks, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you can just, when, when you really need to work, to work hard, and it's about kind of, yeah. That's cool. Working like that. So I'd, I'd love to talk more about your craft. Um, now, we briefly yeah. met at a big event in, uh, called, called Semi-Permanent in Sydney, Australia. And um, I've seen your work evolve from the bold stenciling uh, to the more light and darkness uh, that, that you have uh, to now, this intricate and detailed layering of colors and textures. How did you yeah. find your style and your artistic voice? Uh, yeah, that's... Good question. And sometimes I feel like I haven't, I, I don't know if I ever will, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's kind of a constant journey for me. That's always developing and it's always finding new things that I want to try and want to incorporate, but it definitely came, I think in the beginning stages, when you first sort of start producing work, it's inevitable that you will imitate people that you admire. And that's, that's just kind of getting one of those hurdles that you have to get through on one of those self battles. Right. It's like learning a guitar and then you, you're playing covers, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, you kind of got to go through those stages. And, but I think it's important to be humble about your work to an extent. Uh, understand that be open to, to criticism or be somewhat willing to be self critical in ways that, you know, like, oh, I know I could try that or make that better but essentially it's like you said what it comes back to it's really like just trying mm. if you have an idea you're like i don't know then just try it try and make it yeah and generally if that doesn't work something will come of that attempt happy accident usually some whatever yeah and that will bring something new on and i feel like through that it's just through that production that you kind of for me anyway i think most other artists you organically develop your own style because you'll have this again the way i think i guess it's have this combination of aesthetics images and uh, references and inspiration in my head and it kind of mashing them together but they'll come out in your own your own hand and i and actually one of the things that i try and remind myself more which is part of i guess becoming more abstract in my work is that uh I think it was, I can't remember the name of the artist mentioning to another younger artist, but he was like, trust your hand, you know, like, and a lot of the most sort of famous artists, like maybe even sort of more in our genre in this street art, a lot of them can be the simplicity of the gestural stroke is enough to recognize that that's that person or the simplicity of the idea, like Banksy, for example, as we mentioned. And it's more about just, 
to trusting, I guess, that instinct and that that personal style will just come with the production of work and it will become identifiable with you through the consistent and constant body of work that you're creating in that style. Mm. And then over time that will kind of will become recognized for these nuances that obviously have spoken to you. And that's why that's become an ongoing aspect of your work yeah. in many ways, even if the work maybe changes color palette or changes themes for the most part, I think you can use it recognize an artist style if you've seen them work before yeah. trust, trust your hand i've heard that one before i really like that one yeah it's good i get it by myself <laughs> yeah that's awesome I, i'm glad you brought that up um cool. so was there a game-changing mindset shift for you that assisted your your crafting abilities um mm. you know yes we've spoken about um the uh, importance of of doing things on the daily, uh, not being afraid to, to fail, even though it's not perfect. Perfect is better than, uh, sorry, getting things done is better than perfect. Um, but what was it that kind of, what was the kind of eureka moment if there was one that when you said, I really love this medium, look, I've tried all these others or, you know, I've tried this style. This is really working for me. Um, how do you know you kind of, although it's constantly evolving, as you said, but you know, was there a mindset shift in particular that, that you can recall? Yeah. Good question. Like what was the point when I said, Oh, I just want to primarily use paint and spray paint. Right. Um, I, I can see your work has evolved incredibly, even in the yeah. last three to four years. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's, that's a hard one to kind of define. I think I somewhat just off the top of my head, I kind of feel like maybe it was as a designer, I then become very reliant on the computer mm. and going into making art. I got really physical and dirty again with my hands, mark making with my hands, which always comes out to the drawing as a child and that kind of thing. And I think that kind of expressiveness and, for me, I feel like it was about creating something that I felt was unique or I knew was unique, mm. like a painting. Once I make a painting, I can replicate it. If, you know, like if it was necessary to replicate a frame, I could probably do it kind of close, mm. kind of, let's say like 60, 70% max close, but it's never the same piece. And That's I think... Cool. That for me is one of the things that excites me about art in general. It's like when I see a painting somewhere that I love, it's like, that's the only one of those that exists in the entire world yeah. and ever will exist like that. Like you said, like a person, you know, they, yeah. they're all unique. And that's kind of, I think that's what it was for me. It's like, oh, I can create these hopefully beautiful and unique pieces that to me then mattered more than stuff I was doing maybe for a client. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. Like, I think you've defined that really well um, in in that you studied uh, on the computers, you studied about design and as we know, when you study design, you know, they teach you about the uh, commercialized aspect of design. So, you know, it's the design thinking, how do we help businesses? How do we help brands? Um, you you know, that type of thing. And for you to, to sort of, sort of start there, but then detach yourself from there, um, I think is a great way of, of putting that, um, as as a way that we can understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think it came down to just being emotionally invested in what I did. And I got to a point where I knew I wasn't really emotionally invested in the work that I was making and that that's what I, uh, story for and then when I started to put work on the streets you kind of get that buzz that it's like people respond to it and I feel like that was that's also a thing I felt like it was hard to get or gauge any emotive response to my work doing mm. working I guess as a designer but as an artist you're kind of putting it out there a little more uh, individually I guess yeah which I found it's kind of like it's, it's scary it's like you know shit's scary but it's also exhilarating at the same time yeah that's awesome okay so i've got um a two-part question here for you 
Yeah. Um, a little, a little uh, prep to that question here. You've done solo exhibitions, as I mentioned. You've done group shows, uh, added to permanent public collections. You've even been commissioned on countless projects and been uh, selected in publications. So first part question to that, how did you do it? <laughs> how did I do all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. How did I, you get uh, that much exposure, mate? That's, that's really cool. Thanks. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of it just happens organically. You kind of, there's definitely some milestone moments uh the solo shows being that where you kind of make it this very uh direct personal statement and you put a shit ton of work into it and you put it out there and then that will spawn reaction and then definitely i feel like also being just being a part of the street art movement um which as you both know i think now has gained such crazy worldwide momentum it seems to almost be in in many ways uh, a sort of juggernaut in just art, the art world in general, you know, like it's so much now that's connected to sort of street art, mural art, public art, street art, graffiti, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think being part of that movement, it definitely exposes you on a large scale. Um, it starts off as a very small scale, like putting up stencils in the back streets of Melbourne, but through that you kind of get recognition in your own town and then you travel and paint and meet other artists and then the scale of work grows essentially because mm. it's kind of like this driving ambition i guess to kind of want to create more and bigger and yeah and well better, you, t- you, know? you touched on geographic there i mean um you started off in melbourne in just the back streets there but now you're in in la and uh in venice beach there i, I think I, is that the ocean we can hear in the background no no okay traffic so <laughs> that's a fan it's probably a fan okay there it's, actually a, it's probably like 30 I was like, wow, he's, he's right next to the beach. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say, how long have you been in the States now? Because I think, you know, when we talk about exposure, that, that would have exposed you to a whole other league. I mean, in Australia, we've got 24 million people. And in the States, there's 320 million people. Yeah, right. Yeah, too many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many Americans in America. No, there we go. So what do you uh, what do you think about that transition in terms of uh, attributing um, to to your current uh, exposure and success? I feel like it definitely helped. Um, I feel like I had established a small degree of notoriety or whatever you want to call it in in my field uh, before moving here, and I was working with Think Space Gallery to represent me here. That was definitely like due to kind of the momentum. Uh, and the the way the Everfresh and, and myself and other artists in it established ourselves back home. But I did travel a lot. I traveled to you know the UK, small parts, a couple of places in Europe, um, been to Asia. So I'd come and gone from the US a few times, and each time painting, meeting people, making work, you know. And but so all that all that contributed. And then when I decided to move, it was definitely. There's definitely an adjustment period because you kind of come, yeah, it's it's the small fish, bigger pond scenario mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, and then I, I just feel like it was down to, okay, like I want to paint some walls. You know, I'm here to do this. And I've mm-hmm. already got a few projects lined up and I'm working with this gallery, but then letting people know that you're here and mm-hmm. just making work. And then that making sure that you kind of, getting it documented, all, all that stuff. It's the publicity side is necessary as an artist. Like not over-publicizing, but you do need to consider these sorts of things. Yeah. And then people are aware that you're, you're here and then, oh, well, maybe you want to get you involved in this project. Or yeah. this. And then so it's like right it, time and right place, isn't it? I think so. But it's mm. definitely about, it's also definitely about like, like we were talking about self-motivating and just creating and making work and letting people know that you're there and you want to be a part of this. And, Absolutely. And, you know, you can't sort of sit around waiting for the phone to ring. No, but definitely it not. It never happened in, in our life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it agreed. Happens occasionally. Agreed, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so part two to that, uh, which, of, which of your achievements, uh, and there's a long list of it, but uh, which of them has meant the most to you? Uh, the one that 
uh, was the most significant that you were really proud of? Um, hmm. I feel like the solo exhibitions that I've done, there's three in particular. That was the first large one that I did in San Francisco. It was definitely kind of a, that was the first live show I had three months into moving to the US. I was an officially starting to move here. And that actually it was a little before that, but it was kind of like that's when I knew I was going to stay here. That was kind of a big deal for me, I think, you know, because it was like, well, this is my first big show over here in the US and I'm here for I'm staying, living and producing work here. And that was exciting. Um, then the next show with Think Space after that, and then the show in Detroit I had recently. Uh, and then I guess following on from the Detroit show was the mural that I painted in Detroit for the Large Tiger, which was the largest mural I've ever painted, outdoor mural. Um, that was like 6,000 square feet. And that was, you know, like, Did that you was 6,000 square feet? Yeah. Mate, it's a, it's a, that's incredible. It's a bit of a monster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And that was done. What I kind of liked about that process was that was done through a guy that owned a warehouse in Detroit um, who just managed to, like, he ran his own business. He's this quick kind of hippie, like, real casual dude. And he is starting to buy out property because it's cheap, slightly on the outskirts of the city. And he just basically gave me permission to paint this giant wall. Um, they were happy to, like, cover a lift. And he'd had free paint because he'd been given a bunch of free paint. And they, they would hire the lift for me for the period of like a week to two weeks, whatever I needed. And so we just decided to, to do it. And it was like, it's pretty rough terrain out there. You know, the side of this factory, half of it's kind of missing around the other side. Huh. Uh, it was just going to go from like nice weather into the colder, colder, windy side of the, the year. And it was, yeah, like for me, you know, like I feel like as an artist, you, it's important to always push yourself. And one of the things going back to this, I'll talk about is, I started to have a theory that if I'm not shitting myself, like shitting myself is a good thing. Shit is a good thing because that's kind of to be constantly in a state of shitting myself. means <laughs> Probably Love like it. at the end of it, it'll come out. All right. Because I'm probably I'm at least pushing myself into outside my comfort zone and will achieve something thereof just by attempting it, you know? Yeah, mate, that's so cool. I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really happy that you, you, brought that point up um i i'm also a big right. believer yeah. in the uh yeah. the, sh- the constantly shitting yourself uh mentality <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm <laughs> sure with that too you do with all those cities i mean right yeah, must have been exactly. somewhat nerve-wracking right well so. yeah it was it, um yeah it was for sure and i think um you know richard branson says it really well when he when he has a a quote floating around the internet or maybe it's just some guy that's just tapped it in um and put on top of his photo, but, um, the, the saying goes, um, uh, accept what you, something to, along the lines of, um, if, if you don't know how to do it, say yes first and figure out how to do it later. Right. Yes. Um, you, you know, <laughs> make it till you make it. <laughs> that's, that's it. You know, I love that. Cause you know, how else are you going to do it? You know, and, and there's certain, there's a certain level of readiness that you can prepare for. Yes. But at the same time, you just got to dive in and just bloody do it. Absolutely. Like the first time for everything. Yeah. Thing. And I, I believe that too. And I feel like I've read so many interviews or little excerpts and stuff like that from people you'd say, oh, like they're a successful person, you know, like they're doing in their field. And that's very much a thing. Is like they just, they, there was m- multiple points in their career where they've just said, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. And then they'll figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know? And it's not, I mean, you know, really bullshitting, you're just like, okay, that's the next step for me. But I've, never done that yet like like painting the giant mural it's like wow that was i've never painted anything that size like logistically now i have to figure out how to go about these certain aspects of it and then once you start you're up there and you're just painting it's like yeah fuck can i do this like shit now and then next thing you know you're saying i'm doing it i'm doing it right so right and then yeah and then it's done and that that so that's why for me i think that was that's cool um i'd like to touch briefly on the business side of things um, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think, um, a lot of, um, a lot of listeners are probably thinking, <laughs> oh man, that's cool. 
you're doing what you love, but how are you making a living from it? Um, and, and I'm sure, I mean, I've got my own opinion on this in that, you know, it does take time and the transition definitely is um, not an overnight thing, nor is it a year thing or a, or a three year thing. Sometimes you've got to kind of merge into that. But um, mm-hmm. uh, so how are you kind of monetizing all this? Are you just getting um, uh, fees now from shows or commissions from, from doing murals and things like that? Uh, that's a good question. How am I? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm not. I think as an artist, you have to be prepared not to make any money okay. at times. You know, yep. it's um, yeah, certainly like a huge amount of the work I've produced over time, which probably actually this is a good point going back to what you talked about. Is unpaid. Just produce it because you love doing it. You know, paint murals, figure out a way to do it either on your dime in the cheapest way possible, or be resourceful. Also, as an artist, is really important. But yeah, to in terms of when once you step up and you are making a living, I am not the greatest business person to ask about that stuff for sure. But it comes down, I think, to the realization that you kind of need to be consistently working. Mm. And then my income sources come from various streams, and try to manage that to, to the best as I can. Where obviously exhibitions are good. Uh, my girlfriend's pointing this up just saying I'm, I'm managing it <laughs> she's your manager <laughs> um, so yeah like exhibitions you will make a certain amount of money potentially and I think this is what happens organically as you learn as an artist you, I think it's important personally I think it's important to go into it for the passion reasons hmm. create a show and not really think about how much money you're going to make from it but if you're relying on income, then yes, you do need to start with, okay, how does that add up income-wise? And then there's no guarantees on that. So then you're working on like developing connections for mural projects, which ideally you want to get client work because of that kind of income. And then print releases. So I work closely with One Times Run who do pretty consistent online print releases and they're a great business model and have been a great ally and, and friend to have in the industry. So it's it kind of comes with establishing relationships i think with good people around you as well that you know are doing making positive moves and then working with them to do that so yeah i don't know business-wise it's it's a tricky one i think for up-and-coming artists maybe aligning themselves with an agency like illustrative agency or something could be a good way of learning some of the ropes to that. Yeah. I think um, you made a good point as well with, um, with, you have to kind of build credibility first and, and the only person that's going to, uh, sort of get you up to a level where there's, um, believability in your craft and value in what you do is you having to fund that yourself. So you have to do it for yes. free at first, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's the whole thing about, um, uh, what you've done and even what I've done in terms of um, the book, you know, I approached, and I don't know if people know this, but I approached 20 different publishers who all rejected me. Yeah. And then I spoke to all these that's, other authors yeah, and they were like, uh, yeah, that's normal. Um, yeah, yeah. On, only your, <laughs> on your first book exactly only 20 and then you know the question about how did you organize a speaking tour and get that sorted well yeah i i organized it myself after hours when people were sleeping i was organizing that when people were going to work i was going to work too you know right. exactly that's exactly it man yeah. and I, I one of the keys it's like obviously the work for free as an artist is a hard one but i feel like maybe as a good general it's like if someone asks you to do something then you can charge them for it. Mm. But ultimately, when you're producing work for yourself, mm. you just have to keep producing it because you love it. And like, if you're going to go out and paint murals, like, well, that's, that's why out, coming from the street art graffiti cultures, that's why it is what it is, because mm. it started off, or it has the foundation is people just making art and putting it out. Yeah. Because they're passionate. That's what they love doing. That's what they feel. That's cool, man. Needs to do. And I think that needs to be kind of at the heart of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now a couple more questions before we finish up. I have to yep. ask this on behalf of myself and the listeners. Shit. Have you ever met Banksy? 
<laughs> no, I have not. You have not. Yeah. yeah Drops yeah. the mic. No more yeah, questions. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Secret yeah. underground um, club there. Um, okay. So. Yeah, that's it. I've heard. I've seen his shadow. Um, <laughs> um, a question um, I ask uh, most of my guests this one here if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to Junior Megs, the, the David Hook that perhaps was finishing high school, what would you tell him? Hmm. Uh, about girls or art? <laughs> Anything, my friend. Probably, <laughs> probably girls would have been more important than the art back then. Right, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely could use the advice more about That's them. it. <laughs> um, I feel like it would probably be something along the lines of have more confidence in yourself. And they're like, start making more work now, you know, and, and really just, just dive headfirst in. Like, it took me a while to figure out where I, you know, that after the high school stages and the university stages to figure out, I guess, the, to the, get to the point that led me to on this path, which I feel like is has been a more rewarding path than perhaps the ones I was on in the past then. So maybe give myself a little jump start there and be like, don't worry about this other bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny. Just start painting. Just start painting now. It's just, yeah, it's just about getting getting going. Hey, like, I think there's um, there's something that I heard um, from uh, another podcaster that I listened to. His name's uh, Dale uh, Partridge. And he said, um, the best, the best time to start a business was two years ago. Uh, the second, (laughs) the next best time to start a business is right now. And I think Uh, that applies with anything that you want to do. Um, so mate, what's, what's next for you moving forward? Uh, like on the calendar, so to speak. Yeah. What's, what's any, any exciting things that we should look out for? Yeah, the, what I'm working on right now is a body work for a mini solo show uh, with ThinkSpace at an event called Beyond Eden, beginning of October. So that's kind of that's exciting. Where's that? Me. Is that in LA? That's in LA, yep. Cool. So um, if anyone's in LA, definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh, I guess after that, there's, there's a couple, actually a couple of kind of mural projects coming up that I can't really disclose just yet because it's cool. kind of client, Secretive. Know. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, mate, how can listeners best get in touch with you online? I know that we mentioned Instagram. Uh, your handle is at House of Megs. Uh, anywhere else that we can follow you on? Uh, I have a website, houseofmegs.com, um, which is going to be renewed coming to the new year. But I say for now, definitely Instagram is uh, best way to connect. Is the most, yeah, like my most consistently updated and kind of like the visual diary of what I'm doing daily, daily yeah. for this. Cool. Yes, definitely check that out, guys. Uh, mate, thanks so much for hanging out with us on the Giant Thinkers podcast. It's been an absolute blast having someone of your artistic caliber on the show. I wish you continued success and we'll definitely keep following you on your journey as I'm sure the listeners will too. Great. Thank you, Ram. That's much appreciated. Kind words. Cheers, yes. mate. Cheers. Hey guys, thank you so much for hanging out and listening to another episode of the Giant Thinkers podcast. At the very least, I hope that you were able to get a little bit of inspiration and practical advice, especially if you're an illustrator or painter yourself. Next up on episode number 10, I'm bringing to you the global vice president and head of design at Visa. Yep, you heard right, the one and only Visa. And we talk about user experience in huge depth, uh, plus so much more. Prior to working at Visa, he was the global director, head of product strategy and UX design at Samsung. He was also the head of design at PayPal at one point and the senior manager of UX design at eBay, to name a few roles. So you guys cannot miss that episode. It's a cracker. Uh, A reminder to subscribe to the Giant Thinkers uh, mailing list. So if you go to giantthinkers.com, there is an opt-in there. It's free. And uh, of course, I'd love you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. A small request from me is that if you could leave a short review on iTunes, uh, if you go to itunes.com slash podcast slash giant thinkers podcast or of course you could just go to your itunes app or program it would mean the world to me 
And lastly, this episode was sponsored by the wonderful organization that is Creative Live, the world's leading online classroom for professionals and creative individuals just like yourselves, where you can hone in on your design skills from learning Adobe programs to typography to UX to portfolio creation or even starting your career as a freelancer. It's all there. Take advantage of the massive 25% off discount on any Creative Live design class by using the code GIANTTHINKERS3. That's GIANTTHINKERS, the number three. Uh, but it's only valid until the 30th of November. So get in quick and head to creativelive.com design and see what online design classes you can learn from to expand your skill set. Until next time, Giants, I'm Ram Castillo. Keep showing up, try and try again, and never, ever let anyone tell you you can't do it. Because guess what? You can.